Well, good morning. How are we? Good. I, it's a. I am very happy to be back here. I am very honored. Um, this is such a privilege that I get to come back and talk with y'all. Um, yeah, like Cliff said, my name is Blake Comer. Um, I was a youth pastor here for six years, and my family we, we moved down to um, Columbia to do a church planning internship at Midtown Fellowship, which is it's awesome because that, that's a place that, as Freedom, we supported them for several years, and now they're pouring their resources and, and a lot of their time and energy into um, uh, training uh, and sending out church planners. And so I've, uh, I've really learned a lot in my time down there, um, not only about ministry, but about myself and about um, my family. I, it's been a really great year that we've been down there. Um, and we've got uh, about another year uh, left before we um, move on. Uh, right now, I'm actually serving at Midtown. Midtown is, is uh, what do they call it now? A, a family of, of churches in Columbia. And so there's Midtown, Downtown, which is the big one that, that we've, that's been going on for quite some time. And then they, they've recently launched a, a, a new church plant uh, called Midtown Two Notch. And Two Notch, uh, I, I'm serving there, so uh, it, it's really a from-the-ground-up type thing, and um, we're, we're trying to reach out to and serve um, the inner-city communities in and around the Two-Notch Corridor in Columbia. And so where we're actually at is very, um, it's a rough area. Uh, it's a neighborhood called Pinehurst. Actually, I deliver pizzas on the side, and uh, I told one of my coworkers, I was like, hey, you should come check out uh, Two-Notch, and he was like, where is it? I said, it's in Pinehurst, and he laughed at me, and he said, I'll never go in that neighborhood. I was like, why? He said, have you ever been there? And it's, it's a scary place a little bit. Our, our building literally has bullet holes in it. Um, it is, uh, they deal with a lot of generational poverty, so all the social issues that go along with that, unemployment, um, uh, lack of uh, education, a lack of uh, a good family structure, it's a lot of um, Grandmothers raising their kids, uh, moms raising their kids alone, um, not, a, not much of a presence of, of men at all in, in the neighborhood. Lots of, uh, I don't want to say lots of, but there, there's cases of mental illness, guys who, who just kind of walk the streets and they just aren't all there. Uh, drugs, gang activity, violence. In the last month, um, two blocks down from where our church building is, there was a, there was a fatal shooting. And then two weeks ago, uh, uh, there was another shooting, but this one was like four doors down from, from where we meet on Sundays, and it happened in broad daylight. Uh, so this is a dangerous area, um, but beyond that, what, we're, what we know is that this area needs the gospel, and what, what we know is that we're going we're gonna to try to meet some needs, but ultimately what we, get, what we do is we, we just put Jesus out there to them. Uh, we have our Sunday worship gatherings in the afternoons, and... Uh, immediately following that we have a cookout where we just invite the neighborhood you don't have to have come and worshiped with us to to get some food uh we just we just party and we we build with uh the kids throw football with them um play games eat and, and just try to have a good time uh essentially what we do is we we want to offer them some grace we've been given so much grace by jesus we just want to offer some grace uh to the people in that neighborhood and we just invite them in and we have a great time i've learned a, a ton about serving in, a, in a, con, a context that I'm just not used to. I'm one of like six white guys that are there. So uh, it's, it's really different from this room and from what I'm used to. Uh, 
it's been really beneficial though and it, it's very challenging trying to learn uh how to act how to respond what to think whenever things are happening um but it's been really good uh super beneficial great blessing um but that, that that's what's going on today if you have a bible uh open up to matthew chapter 28 whenever i was little uh, i grew up going to church and we would have a missionary who would be out on the field and he would come back every once in a while, and he would give a presentation of what's going on, where he's serving, and uh, they would have one of those old school slide projectors that you hit the button and it puts up a different picture, and they would undoubtedly be wearing the indigenous clothing of the people that they go and they're ministering to, uh, and, and they, would, they would preach out of Matthew 28, they would talk about the Great Commission, and I thought, hey, I'm going to, no, I'm going to come to freedom because these people, they know me, uh, I'm going to give them some like Old Testament obscure reference to why we should church plant. And uh, no, I just think that it's way easier to, to, to just use Jesus. Um, and I don't have one of those old school projectors. And this kind of is the indigenous clothing of people in Brooklyn, tight pants and boots. So uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, this is the Great Commission. You know it, right? You know it. It starts, go therefore... But, but we need to stop there. Um, we, we, we need to stop with the therefore because that, that, that's really important uh, to, to kind of to look at. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, or really maybe, I'm not an English teacher, so maybe it's in any case, uh, a therefore is connecting what has been said with what's about to be said. Okay, So in the Bible, as you're reading the Bible, this is a helpful tool. Um, it's kind of cheesy, but this really is good. Uh, whenever you see a therefore, you say, hey, what's that therefore? And you go back and you read the stuff before that. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 19 is, is, is really important, but if you back up a verse, it tells us why, this is, uh, why what Jesus is saying is trustworthy. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Look, the reason that, that, that Jesus' following statement holds any water and the reason that Jesus' following statement, the Great Commission, is trustworthy at all, the reason that we should try to live that out, is because all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to him. All right, so I, I just want to take a moment and just kind of reset our minds in that. The God and the King of the universe has been, since really the third chapter of the Bible, been trying to redeem, been working to restore the relationship that was broken uh, between himself and mankind. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they sinned, and they broke that relationship. And God, since almost the dawn of humanity, has been working to restore that relationship. If you read in the Old Testament, people, they, they, they try as hard as they can. And really and truly, today, people are doing this. We're, we're still trying as hard as we can to earn, earn God's love and earn God's favor. In the Old Testament, they, they, they tried as hard as they can as hard as they could, to, to live up to the standard that was set before them, to live up to the law, the Ten Commandments. They couldn't do it because the law, it requires perfection. And on our best day, on our best day we sin. On our best day, we, we do not keep the entirety of the law. I, I mean, um, no matter how long we try, and no matter how hard we try, we're never going to get it right. And the simple fact that we've gotten it wrong in the past makes us lawbreakers even today. And so you aren't almost there. You 
You don't need a little bit of strength to do the right thing. You don't need a little bit of help, a little bump from God so that you can actually uh, get on the right path. You don't almost have your stuff together. You were broken. Your truest need is a Savior. And God's been, He's been working on, like, throughout history, God was working to restore that relationship. And so the King and the God of the universe, in order to fulfill His mission, He stepped down from His throne and became a baby. Taking on the, the weakest position that you can imagine, a baby. And He lived among the people that he was going to save. And man, he lived up to, to the standard. He perfectly kept the law, never breaking a single command. And then he died for us. He died in our place. He took on the punishment that we deserve. Man. Uh, as we look at... As, as we look at the cross... It, 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 is only by, it is only through the cross that our sins are forgiven. It is only through Jesus that that relationship between God and man is, is made right. We are saved by God's grace and God's grace alone. And so this morning, I, before we get into looking at the Great Commission, I think it's important to reset our minds in this. We don't deserve His love, but Jesus offers it. We don't deserve His forgiveness but he, he gives us grace. As we look at the whole of Scripture, and as we look at the finished work of Christ on the cross, like that, those things validate what Jesus says in verse 18. It validates Jesus saying, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, Jesus says to us, hey look, guys, I, I am God. I, I lived on this earth with you, and I died for you. Trust me with what I'm about to say. Verse 29, or 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Like I said earlier, uh, most of you, 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 you've heard this, this passage preached a, a hundred times. Uh, you, you've, you've probably taught it. You might know it backwards and forwards, and that's great. Um, but I, I think it's great that, that Matthew's account of Jesus, it ends, like he, he looks at his life and his death and his resurrection, and the last little taste of Jesus that Matthew wants us to have is, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples, and I'm with you always. The book of Matthew will always end with a commissioning of his disciples and a commissioning of us to go and to make disciples, and that has huge implications in our lives, right? It has, th this is a call for us to go out and share our faith with those around us, whether you're um, a student, or you're uh, a CEO, or a low-level employee, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, or anything in between, this is a call for you to go and make disciples. But as I read that, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely, this is certainly about personal evangelism. Totally. I'm, I'm not against that. I'm for personal evangelism. But I don't think that that's all that this, that this passage is about. I think that the Great Commission is a call to plant churches. That the, the, the Great Commission is absolutely a call to plant churches. Um, so 
like Cliff said, and like many of you know, I want to move, be moving to, um, to New York to plant a church, specifically in Brooklyn, in a neighborhood called uh, Greenpoint. Um, let me just give you some, some personal background. Uh, whenever I was a freshman in college, I felt God calling me to, uh, to New York. Um, and, and over time, the Lord was really just faithful to, to narrow the scope of, of where He wanted me. And now we, now we know that we want to live in a, in a neighborhood called, uh, called Greenpoint. Um, before I ever met Laura Beth, like I didn't even, I, and I told her about it, uh, like I felt called to planting a church in New York City, and I, that almost scared her off, but she ended up going out with me again, uh, which was, praise the Lord, right? Um, I, I, I knew that, that New York City and planting a church, that that's where God was leading me. Um, yeah, so let, let me just, just prepare yourself. I'm about to throw a bunch of statistics, a bunch of numbers at you. We'll put some maps on the screen. Uh, the fir- first one is, this is the, the metro New York tri-state area, all right? Uh, it, if it, uh, yeah, that's it, all right? That's New York City. Um, it's parts of upstate New York. It's Long Island. Uh, it's parts of New Jersey and, uh, and Connecticut. This is the fourth largest metropolitan area in the world. It's the largest uh, metropolitan area in, in America. There are 22 million people who live in that area. That is insane how many people uh, are there. Whenever uh, me and Larbeth went to New York earlier this year, we actually spent just a little bit of time in New Jersey. And as we were driving through New Jersey, the, the guy who was, who, was, uh, who was giving us a ride, he was like, what, what's crazy is that you have, you have town after town after town, and, and they just kind of bleed into each other. Kind of like how whenever you're driving, and you aren't sure if you're in Taylor's or if you're in Greer, or I can never get that, I, that maybe that's just me, I can never figure that out. Where's Greer, where's Taylor's, what is Inman? I, I don't know, or uh, those of you who grew up here, y'all probably like, this kid's dumb, uh, but uh, th- that's kind of how it is, they, the towns just bleed into each other, but it's like town of 100,000 right next to another town of 100,000, right next to another town of 100,000, and it's just, it's just massive, people everywhere, so we'll zoom in from the New York uh, tri-state area to New York, you see it on the screen, it says New York, right there, New York City, this is a uh, New York City, uh, eight and a half million people, nearly every uh, nationality is represented in New York City. Over 800 languages um, are spoken. Uh, it, it's a global city. More than 35% of the eight and a half million people living there were foreign born. So 35% of the people living there weren't born in America. So it, it, that brings with it different cultures, different backgrounds, different religious beliefs. Uh, in, in New York, uh, according to the Values and Research Institute, 83% um, are affiliated with some form of organized religion, but only 3% are evangelical Christians. That is, uh, it's kind of scary. So in New York, you see uh, Manhattan is where, if you want to go sightseeing, that's where, you, that's where you go. You'll see Times Square and the... Empire State Building and the Freedom Tower and stuff like that. Uh, the Bronx is um, where the Yankees play, and Queens is where the Mets play. Staten Island, I've never—I don't know—I've never been there. Uh, or I've, I've been there once, but I just like stepped off a boat and got right back on. Uh, and, and then there's Brooklyn, and Brooklyn's where we want to live. Brooklyn is uh, two and a half million people. So we'll zoom in on the map here. Uh, this is this is Brooklyn. Two and a half million people 
live in Brooklyn. Uh, it is the largest of the, of the five boroughs. It, is the four, it would be the fourth largest city in America without the rest of, of New York City. Um, I hear these numbers, and I, and I read these numbers, and I think about them, and, and part of me feels like a little cartoon dog that's just like, let me at him, let me at him, let me at him. But, but then I'm like, wait a minute, that's kind of scary. Uh, that is a ton of people um, coming from all kinds of backgrounds, not to mention the fact that New Yorkers just have a rep of being hard and, and mean. Um, the numbers are, are really big and, and kind of scary. And so with the massiveness of, uh, and, and the diversity of New York, uh, New York naturally divides into neighborhoods. Uh, and, and by neighborhoods, I'm not talking like Cliff lives in Deer Run. I'm not talking Deer Run, which is like three streets. Uh, I lived in Country Club Crossing right over there. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, neighborhoods are essentially marked off by uh, streets and landmarks. Um, you can walk from one neighborhood to the next and not even know that you switched anything, uh, kind of like uh, Greer and Taylor's. Um, Greenpoint, zoom in with me. Greenpoint is the neighborhood that, that, that we're going to be trying to plant in. Um, Greenpoint is 39,000 people. To give you a little bit of pers- perspective, Google tells me that Greer is 27,000 people. So whenever I say that we're moving to New York and we're trying to reach a neighborhood, we're going to minister to one neighborhood. It is like a small city. Um, yeah, little a couple, a couple things about Greenpoint. Um, it is 60% uh, Polish. Um, there's... Little Italy and Chinatown and Greenpoint is known in New York as Little Poland. Uh, it is, it, it's funny, last time I was there, um, we ate at a Polish restaurant and it was kind of good. Um, <laughs> sausage, I like sausage. Uh, potatoes, I like potatoes. Cabbage, cabbage is okay. Uh, but, like, the, the waitress, uh, like, th- this is, whenever I say that 60% Polish, uh, some, of it, some of it is uh, of Polish descent. Some of it is first-generation Polish people. The, the waitress who was waiting on us, she looked like she was in her 20s, and she, I could barely understand her. She didn't understand me. Um, maybe that's, I have a southern accent, but, she, like, she barely spoke any English. Um, it, I'm going to need Rosetta Stone. So if you have that for Polish, I know a lot of y'all are trying to learn Polish. Uh, yeah, no, but seriously, the Polish community is, is a tight-knit group, very much family-oriented. Um, I'm going to have to learn some Polish I- if I want to, to reach these people. Um, along with the Polish population, there's a recent influx of young people. Um, Brooklyn, in general, is a very cool place to live, all right? And whenever it comes to North Brooklyn, that's where the coolest of the cool live, and that's not why I want to go there, all right, just to get that out front. Uh, in... Uh, in Greenpoint and Williamsburg, um, which is the neighborhood just to the south, it is filled with young, pretentious people that, that we like to call hipsters. And uh, so in, in Greenpoint, um, there is a, a lot of young um, hipsters, bohemians, artists, musicians that are, that are moving to the area like crazy. Uh, also in, um, in Greenpoint, along the northern shore, in the next several years, they're, uh, they're building about 10 new high-rises that are going to have about 5,000 new apartments. So right now, 
Greenpoint is a very popular place to go. So between, it's growing in popularity, it's going to be growing in population. Um, It is, it is a very strategic place to to plant a church because, um, like I told you, the statistics say that 3% of of New Yorkers are evangelical Christians. Um, If those numbers were to hold up in Greenpoint, then 39,000 people live in there. That would mean that there's 1,200 people who are uh, evangelical. Um, And I just don't think there's any way that those numbers hold up. In Greenpoint, there's about 11 or 12 churches, um, several Catholic churches, several Episcopal, several uh, a, a Lutheran church, a Methodist church. There's a newly planted independent Baptist church. And as we were walking along the streets last time I was there, they were handing out tracts. Um, so I don't think that works in the South. And in New York, I feel like it's, hey, you throw this away. You throw this away. And so uh, I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying I don't know if that necessarily works. Um, there was a Reformed church, which kind of got me excited, until I realized that it's pastored by a lady and her wife. So they re- reformed a lot of things, including, like, what is sin and what's not. Um, uh, it's a... Uh, it, v- there is one Southern Baptist church, but they're a completely Polish-speaking pop, uh, congregation, so, uh, which is great, because there's lots of Polish people. Um, but as, as of right now, there is essentially no English-speaking or very little English-speaking evangelical presence in the entire neighborhood. Um, I, can, I can really almost feel uh, Jesus saying that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I, I know that's a lot of statistics. Uh, I, I think that helps paint a little bit of the picture of the need that there is in New York, a need for, for gospel-centered church plants all over New York City. Um, and, and as I look at it, and as I think about it, it could be really scary if it were a solo mission, but it's not. The truth is that Jesus reassures me in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But secondly, I think the Great Commission is not just a call for me to church plant, it's a call for all of us to be involved in church planting, and specifically, a call for you, freedom people, to be involved in planting a church uh, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And before you write me off, let me explain. Let me, let me, let me give you three ways that you can be involved in planting a church in Greenpoint. Uh, number one, you can pray. Number one, uh, pray. We need, like really simply, uh, simply, we need prayer. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's this thing in the Bible uh, that you talk to God. You get to talk to the, to the maker of everything. You get to talk to the God of the universe. And you get to ask him to, to, to do things. It's, it's incredible. It's a great um, thing. In, in Colossians, uh, Paul, he, he asked for prayer throughout his letters. Um, Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open up uh, a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, uh, that, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Paul's asking for, for prayer, that people would pray that God would open doors for the gospel to spread. He does that several times. He does that in, in Second, Second Thessalonians chapter 3. He, he asks for essentially the same thing. Um, I honestly believe that the thing that we need more than any, any amount of, prayer, any amount of uh, money or resources is, is we, need, we need people praying for us. We need God to open doors 
We need God to move hearts. And so we're trying to build a, a team of 500 people that will commit to praying for our church plant. Um, that, that, that will commit to pray for our church plant, not just today, but that will continually pray for, pray for the, the work that's going to be done in Greenpoint. Um, praying that God would, would move in people's hearts, that God would, would lead us to persons of peace, that, that, that would open doors, people from Greenpoint, that God would grant us wisdom and discernment as we do this very hard thing of planting a church there. Uh, so today, after I'm done here, uh, in the atrium, there will be a, um, at, at the information table, my lovely wife, Laura Beth, will be at a table, and there's going to be a computer there that you can just sign up, put your name on the list, uh, put your name and your email address, and we'll, we, we'll, we want to keep up with you monthly and let you know of, of what's going on in our lives, um, what Jesus is doing now, what he's teaching us now, and what you've been praying for us um, for, for now. And just think about it. Before, before you write your name or type your name out, really think about it, because I can't tell you how many times I've signed up to, to pray for people, said, yeah, yeah, brother, I'll pray for you. And maybe I'll pray in that moment if it was a good day, and then most of the time I just forget altogether. Um, we need people praying for us for the duration of our church, not just for the first year or the first three years. We need it until Jesus comes back. Uh, but we, we just need prayer because we need Jesus to be doing work in us and in the people around us. And so if you, you can be involved in planting a church in Brooklyn through praying. Second way is you can give. Uh, don't, don't get awkward. Don't get awkward. I'm about to ask you for money. Um, very tangible way that you can be a part of planting a church in Greenpoint is you can give money. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about the church at Macedonia and how they, they're supporting his, his ministry financially. How they're, they're giving uh, according to their needs is what he says, and then beyond that. He says that they're giving so much that they're like, uh, if I give you some more, then I'm going to have to go without this month. Okay, I'm going to give it to you. Like, that's how they were giving. And it's, it's really intense to think about the way that they were giving, sacrificially. And they were already poor, is what Paul, what Paul tells us. They recognized that, that, that Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. Not with money, but that we, we get to be adopted sons of God. Right? So they, they recognized their very high position secure in Christ, secure as heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And so they gave what they had. didn't matter that they were going to need. The, the gospel was being spread. Now Paul also says uh, that they were giving to the church first, and then above that, uh, they were giving to Paul's ministry. So uh, for starters, I'm not asking for your tithe. I want the portion above that. Uh, however much that is. I, that, that's what we're asking for. A um, couple things. Right now, I live in Columbia, and I uh, was being supported by the North American Mission Board. They would send us $1,000 a month. Uh, that support has run out. And so uh, I was doing that, which $1,000 a month, I don't know if you know this, um, that's not enough to live on. Uh, my wife, Laura Beth, is keeping our kids at this point, because um, otherwise we would be paying a lot for daycare. Uh, I am now full-time waiting tables, uh, full-time being a church planning intern, full-time being a dad, full-time 
being, trying to be a husband. Um, so honestly, we could use support now. Um, but really, whenever we move, we're, we're going to need a lot of money. It's just the way it is. In Greenpoint, a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment, let's say 1,000 square feet, and that might be a little big, actually, uh, is anywhere from $2,500 to $3,500 a month. It's a lot of money. And that's not like a super nice place. That is a normal apartment. Um, it is going to cost a lot of money to move and to stay there. And so we're looking to, to build a team of churches that would support us financially. Um, Freedom's on board, I think. Yeah, they're still on board. Good. <laughs> oh, man, that would have been awkward. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to build a team of 25 churches that would, that would partner with us and give monthly to, to what we're going to be doing uh, in Greenpoint. Um, but also, and, 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 and pray about this, really consider this. We, we're going to be, uh, be looking to build a team of 100 individuals, um, individuals or families to partner with us who, who would uh, give a one-time donation either now or, or before we move, and then... Uh, and then and then give monthly once we actually get up into, into, into Greenpoint. Cost of living is really high. And so we're, we're doing our best to, to plan out um, to raise as much money as we can because we don't, want, we don't want to get up there and be worried about money and not the spread of the gospel. By giving, you free us up to do ministry. You free us up to, to, to go and to love on and, and show people Jesus uh, in New York City. Uh, after the service, there's going to be, um, at, at the same place where there is a, uh, a computer, there will be an iPad where you can sign up. And this is not a commitment to give us any money. Um, if you just want more information about what that looks like, uh, where you should send checks to now, where you could send checks to in the, in the future, um, there's an iPad, iPad up there where just uh, put in that email information and we'll, we'll get in touch with you about that. Um, but look, I, I, and I alluded to this, um, the Christians in Macedonia were giving to Paul's ministry after they gave it to the local church. So if you're not tithing here, do that first. And then, like I said, I'll take what's above that uh, as, much as, you, as much as you want to give. Um, money's going to be a huge deal. It really is. Uh, and we're going to need a lot of it. But yeah, that's a way that you can uh, be involved in planting a church. The third way, being involved uh, in planting a church in Greenpoint, is you can go. Um, Paul's missionary journeys, he didn't go alone. He took people like Barnabas and Silas and Timothy. Uh, and, and really, it was, more than just, it was more than just them. It was more like a team of people who were traveling around with Paul. Um, honestly, uh, whenever I say, go. We're, we're, we're looking to build a team of 10 to 15 people who will move with us to, to, to live with us, to be family with us, to um, plant a church uh, up there. I'm not talking to most of you, if not maybe all of you. And, and I'm not mad about that, and you shouldn't be either. Um, just because you don't move with us doesn't mean that you can't be a part of the going. We are going to want, we are going to need mission teams to come up and, and be a part of what we're doing to help uh, till up the ground 
and plant new seeds. We're going to need people to water old seeds. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I, I promise you, we, we want people who will, um, who, who will come up for a short time and, and, and work with us and work alongside us and help us out as we do ministry up there. So really, I mean, some of you, pray hard about it. Like, what does it look like for you to go? Is it moving? Like, should you really count the cost? Talk to me. I'd love to, to, to chat more about that. If you want to be a part of a missions team, once we get up there, we will, we will figure out ways to get you there and places for you to serve. So look, that's how you can be involved. Really simply, um, the, the, the Great Commission, among other things, it, it is a call to plant churches. And, and really, I, I don't think that that's a selective call. I think that that's a call to all Christians to be a part of church planting. Um, and so you can get involved in planting a church in Greenpoint. You can, you can pray. Look, we need that. Pray for us. Pray for um, the, the big things that we're praying for right now are timeline, finances, and team. You can pray for those things. You can give. Um, planting in New York City is going to be the opposite of cheap. Living there is very expensive. You can give um, money to, to, to it, and uh, you're, you're helping aid ministry. You're helping the gospel go out. And uh, lastly, you can go. M- maybe that means moving. Maybe that just means being a part of a mission team. Um, God has commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. God's plan to change the world, His great scheme, the, the, the thing that, that, that He is going to use to change the world is the church. Not a church, not, not a group of church, no, the church as in Christians, His people. As Christians, God's, God's call on us is to go and make disciples. And that means being a part of, of planting churches. So we're moving to Greenpoint. We're going to be planting a church up there. The question is, is how are you going to be involved? Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gospel that you loved us. You you lived perfectly and then you took our place dying on the cross. Jesus, ultimately we, we rely on you for 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 you to move in people's hearts, for you to change lives. God, as we're here this morning, if there are people here who, who you're calling to get involved, Lord, I pray that they would hear that from you, and that they would. That they would take whatever steps it is that they need to take. But Jesus, ultimately, we, we trust you the, the, the numbers are bleak, but, but we trust you 
because you are the God of the universe. So Lord, we, we ask that, that you, would, you would bless this church plant as we move, that you would, you would go with us, that you would lead us. God, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.